Hello and welcome to episode 11 of the Show Me Potato Salad podcast. This show is brought to you by our good friends over at Clinkstone Brewery. I'm one of your hosts, JJ. With me today, we have Loopy, Junior, and last but certainly not least, we have Keith. Later on in the show, we've got Grant Skeen and Duncan Petrie from Dixali Rugby Club. I didn't butcher their name. No, you didn't. As we nope. find out. As usual, we'll round off the show with our salad dressings of the week. Make sure to check us out on all our socials to keep up to date with the podcast. So follow, like, share, and subscribe. So, boys, we've uh, we've had our kind of first week of donations coming in for the SMPS. Does it seem flying? And yeah, we've been flying. People, I'm I'm actually super chuffed, super grateful for everyone that's donated so far. It's It's been been incredible. I mean, you see some of them pinging up and you're just going, oh my God. Like, you know, the support that's been drummed up within like a week of announcing, it's just been absolutely insane. And And there was that month as well. So there was that that little bit of like, are we going to be doing this? Are we really going to be doing this? I know we've announced it and stuff, but we're still going to be doing this. (laughs) And you see the money flying in, you're like, have to do it. Oh, we're doing it. Shit, we're kind of doing it. So we're currently doing it. Currently sitting at £720 of our £1,000 target. Wow. So that's seven for a week. That's maybe. I don't that's know. Mine takes a while. Mine takes re- no seven twenty. I'm, I'm I'm not convinced. I'm sure it's seven forty now. For a week and seven forty. It's seven forty. Oh, oh, somebody else Somebody else. Oh, somebody else. Seven forty. Stand corrected. I do apologize. Yeah, <laughs> I do apologize. It's seven forty. We're but, flying, and yeah. we're only so it's at seventy four percent towards our our one thousand pound target. We're not far away already. We've still, got, still got three months to go until we actually do this, the start of the cycling. Well, yeah. yeah, well, two and a bit now, two isn't it? That's still that's nuts, man. That's that's blowing up quicker than we could have thought, to be fair. Yeah, it's been insane. Thank you all very much. Yeah, yes, and thank you, everyone. If you haven't donated and you want to donate, uh, you can go to our Instagram or Facebook and you will find the link to our Just Giving page there. Great plug, Junior. Junior. Great, yeah, great plug. problem. Well done on that. <laughs> Do some things correct. Yes. <laughs> There's a reason. I did Just one don't get him to say post-apocalyptic. Hey, I fucking smashed that last week. <laughs> he did. He did. Right, and, we'll, we'll move on. Oh, sorry, Cal. Sorry, Cal. It was, just, it was just another little one. Um, obviously, if anybody's kind of just picking up the podcast now and maybe hasn't listened to before, if you know of somebody or you are somebody that would maybe like to help join or, yeah, give us a shout and feel free. Anyone got any spare legs? Do some spare legs to take along for the journey. Just like doll legs and just fucking yeah. fall off. <laughs> just a mannequin. <laughs> right, we'll we'll move it. We'll move it along a little bit. So the past, what would we say, week week or two, Keith? Mm. Past week or two, yeah, you've past been couple getting weeks. stabby, stabby yeah. with needles, stabby with needles, knives. Uh, so that's let, me. Let, my, let the listeners know. So that's my did my second day of doing it on. Um, what, well, this will be Sunday, won't it? So you might want to tell the folk what you're actually ago. getting stabby with needles with. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's, it's for a positive <laughs> thing. That's this movie. <laughs> just I'm been hitting the junk for the last couple of weeks. Just a social experiment. I'm just... Just see what it's like. junk, just see what like. Watched a bit of train spot and I thought, that's a bit of me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so if you're doing... Uh, they take part of the COVID vaccinations uh, as a vaccinator. Um, so I did my, my second day of doing that on... Um, would have been thursday uh so it's try i'm, I'm all model up my days because we're not sort of recorded on the day that we're well no we are we're on sunday <laughs> but we're releasing on tuesday yeah. <laughs> um so my week's been wild 
Um, go on, go on, hold on, go and tell us about your first experience, Keith. Come on. That was a bit wobbly. <laughs> I'm sorry, but I see, when you know. said that you're a vaccinator, all I could think of was that in Arnold Schwarzenegger's voice. No, you're a vaccinator. The vaccinator. Get to the chopper. <laughs> Remember the needles. <laughs> I, I didn't think Arnold Schwarzenegger. I thought more of the ginger guy from American Pie. What's his name? Oh, oh the, the Sherman Air. <laughs> yeah, That's first one. First one was a bit wobbly, um, <laughs> but but very effectively administered, uh, and then and then from there on, it was only up. It's fucking lying. Um, so so no, it's good. It's it's very different. Uh, it's very very different day at work. A um, bit further south on the body than I'm used to working at. Because um, you know I've used used sharps before, but it's mostly just to scoop things out of people's eyes. Um, so I've never actually stabbed someone with one before. I'm glad you clarified <laughs> Stab that. Stabbed them with folks yeah. than fucking scooping shit out of folks' eyes. Um, so no, it's good. It's actually, do you know what? Uh, so I've been working at the Teca, and it is phenomenally organised. It looks it very. Yeah. I've seen a few. It's like, some people operation. Being, people being not in putting up pictures and shit, but. Yeah, like it, looks, no, it looks well done. It looks it's well been done. unreal done. I mean, the, the the people working behind that and doing all that behind the scenes, you've got to applaud them. They've been doing a fantastic job. Um, you know, they, they make my job really, really easy. I just show up and kind of stand outside my little cubicle and give them a wee wave and they bring the patient down and I give them the vaccine and off they go. Yeah. Um, so like everyone that's working there is all fantastic. Do you know, what? it's 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 actually an amazing environment to work in as well because absolutely every single person's happy to be there. Because yeah. like all the staff have volunteered to be there, so they're there because they want to be, and all the patients that are coming in all want to be there as well. So like everyone's just super happy to be there. I, I suppose but, uh, as well, everyone's kind of thinking, right? I'm getting this. I can see the light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah, I've got a ten yeah. in a few months. There's a there's a positive. <laughs> there's a humongously positive aspect to it, and what's been a fairly negative year and a bit. Yeah, it's fine. Um, so I'm not, not going to lie. I can I can see the light. Yeah, see, little things are starting to open up. You're getting told. See, we said this not, last uh, time, and then the fucking no, but we're getting told closed. that there's no more lockdown. So fucking jinx yeah. them. We ended up in another six month lockdown. <laughs> <laughs> I do think they did it right though with delaying opening things up until they yeah, got a, few, a humongous a, number of people done, because it hopefully does mean that we won't need to go back into an additional lockdown following. A lot of folk might get pissed oh, off about saying that, but I think they've done it correctly. That's what I was going to. That's what I was going to say. Do you think? So I've kind of thought about this, but. Do you think they should have gotten all the older at risk and at risk people first and mm. then went and got the younger people done? I'm buying so then, because no, so my my thinking was that a lot of the at least from what we've probably seen, a lot of the um like spread of it would have probably came from no younger people not quite out working or seeing more working. Folk. Yeah, all this stuff do you think thought. do you think if you were to have gotten them done first or not first but after the older generation and the at risk do you think it would have eased it quicker in, in a way they, they they sort of have in some aspects with the fact that a lot of your key workers have all been done so like you know they're the people that i suppose on a daily basis are going to be in contact with a huge number like a huge number of people and they're all done so there's like a there's a balance of the population that's sort of been done across the age groups, if you know what I mean. Although not sort of, you know, as as many in say you know the eighteen to, to thirty year olds have been done as you know sixty plus. 
but you know there's a huge portion of like what would be down as key workers that have been done so sort of percentage proportionate wise it's probably been a fair number yeah it was just a thought i just yeah. no look, i mean the, the, you the see thought, you see certainly. these groups you see these groups are like no 18 odd year olds kicking about like just out in the street and whatnot and yeah you've probably seen yourselves on your instagrams and whatnot you see your influencers fucking off to Dubai. <laughs> yeah. But you see, you see certain things going on that you're like, if if you use it all, like, I know you probably think of it as well, and you go, well, that's just unfair because they're the ones fucking flaunting it and yeah. not giving a fuck. But at the same time, you're a little bit like, fuck, we could have been out of this a hell of a lot quicker. The one that the one that surprised me is that teachers weren't. Yeah, um, yeah, that's that's mental. I think that's yeah, that was. I mental. I personally thought that they would have went with the like the whole care home situation i thought they would have vaccinated the carers but not not the older folk because obviously the older folk are staying in the care home so like as if it gets taken in by something yeah, yeah someone else there like in. wildfire but i was in the thought of i thought folk that are out working like from mid to late 20s to maybe mid to late 50s like that that's a big age group but that should have been yeah. like the priority because that's the main force the, of work i suppose the problem came in that when everything was breaking out the, there was a lot of breakouts in care homes. in care homes and oh, care homes because obviously they're the most you know they're going to be the most vulnerable yeah, yeah like i've sort of stuff, i've yeah. done a fair bit of work and also a couple of care homes mm-hmm. <laughs> and honestly like it's 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 heartbreaking to see like you, we went in like last year um, before all this kicked off and like every room in the care home or care homes that we we work for was full and like you know you go in and you're lucky if they're even at 50 percent capacity Jesus. it's like it's just crazy look at that age as well not getting to see family is a fucking struggle i imagine yeah it's a sin I got right the vaccination process it seems to be going absolutely incredibly they're going through them at an amazing rate as well they say britain's fucking um, high up there for oh, numbers we're so, absolutely smashing so if you it. know if you know keith give him a give him a wee chum up and get all nicey nicey if with you want vaccinated doing home home vaccination no i'm kidding i'm kidding he's not before i get my daughters <laughs> <laughs> right let's let's move on let's move on to our guest so this segment is sponsored by ice sports caledonia the exclusive importers of fisher ice hockey equipment for the north of scotland check them out on facebook at ice sports caledonia with a web shop coming soon this has been a long time coming this web shop <laughs> Enjoy the interview. Five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. Diving into the syllable with us today, we have a couple of guys that have seen on more nights out than actually on the rugby pitch. Welcome to the show, Grant Skeen and Duncan Petty. How are we, guys? <laughs> I don't like that intro. <laughs> it's the first person that's came on the show and says they don't like the like intro. It's been called out in the first thirty seconds. In fairness, Grant, you're you're probably one for actually being on the pitch. I don't know about you, Duncan. I've definitely seen you on more nights, sir. That is not true. I have played uh, for I think every game almost that Tex Alley's played. I've also every been on every week, single night out. 
So guys, when when and where did rugby kind of start for the both of you and how did it crop up? Well, you go, Grant. Cool. Um, so I got started at school. Um, I, was, I, I kind of just thought I was rubbish at all sport because I wasn't good at football. Uh, my dad was an ex-professional like, referee, so I tried to get me into football as much as he could and uh, I was just rubbish at it. So um, I kind of took a bit of a break from sport for a while and then... Uh, <laughs> What uh came yeah it was at school when my mates came over and was like pretty much the whole rugby team is out injured but we've got this uh this final fixture to do so do you fancy coming on and uh giving it a go um so I, I, I sort of tentatively tentatively sort of went on in my Converse uh, high tops and uh pink uh board shorts uh, Hawaiian board shorts um. <laughs> Which would nobody been, even uh, lent you a pair of boots. Like no, it's just... no. <laughs> it was very relaxed. I, I'd never, I didn't do a single training session. I literally walked onto the field, expected to be like before, like expect, expected to um, tackle everyone properly and stuff. I didn't even know which way I was going. Uh, to court, so. Like some waterboy shit that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, I finished the game with a bleeding nose, and I just thought, yeah, this is the game for me. That's, uh, <laughs> about yourself Duncan how how did it come about for you I guess kind of similar to Grant I just didn't really take it any further I, very early on in school uh, we got taught a bit of rugby uh, and I really enjoyed it I was not half bad at it um, and then it kind of just obviously you know what happens other interests in school like you know ditching school and drinking and things so sports and everything kind of went out of the way um, and then the older I got I really wanted to play rugby but to be perfectly honest there wasn't any like development teams or, or no nowhere you to go if you didn't really have the experience or you know didn't really know uh, particularly much about the rules I mean, it had been so long uh, and then when I discovered Excel, I, uh, I decided to go along I think when I joined there was only five folk grant maybe four or five something like that there wasn't many anyway I think it was about six months after it started uh, so I kind of jumped on the opportunity and then uh, I've been there ever since it must be couple of years now that I've been going. Does that, is that something that obviously the, the, the club sort of looks to do? Because obviously you were saying that there's a huge difference between playing rugby in primary school where you've got like a three-man scrum to like all of a sudden you get eight men in the scrum, everything's all different, there's kicking in it, there's everything in it. Like is that something that the club kind of focuses on in developing people at the older stage who have sort of either not played rugby or have not played sort of the level of rugby that you guys are at? I think that's kind of where the clubs are thriving. A lot of teams are struggling in the North East for players, but we have opposite issues. We've got like waiting lists for people wanting to join. So um, we kind of, the club is sort of set up with the mindset of we're not here to win at all costs. And that's that's mm-hmm. that's something a lot of teams fall into is they, they're expected to, their players are expected to perform there and now. They're not given time to sort of develop or their coach are under pressure to make sure they get wins but mm. from our perspective it was just we don't really care if we, if we win or lose as long as lads are out uh, trying to get out uh, playing the game and uh, win, and enjoying it that's kind of the main main thing for us and hopefully that's in, that, that sort of inspires the next sort of generation so if, they, if their family gets involved in that then that helps sort of get mm-hmm. more families into the, into the sport as well so it's kind of a, we're thinking long term rather than sort of short term sort of winning leagues and then uh, that's it. So, I think as well, yeah. just to, to add to that, sorry, I think I think as well, you know what Grant has kind of put together, sort of every so often. I think at one point it was every sort of 
second Sunday of the month, I think Grant was it, where we put a scrum and have a go, which is kind of like a very sort of basic session for anybody uh, that, uh, you know, doesn't really have much of the skills or doesn't really know much about rugby, but kind of just wants to give it a go. Um, yeah. And I think that's pretty decent because it's a pretty comfortable space to come along you know, and kind of just not feel like an absolute pit for not knowing what you're doing, you know. So that's that's kind of, I think, was quite encouraging. And equally, if we've got people that do have a bit of experience, they can just join the session straight away um, And when we're doing a bit more sort of, um, not, I wouldn't say advanced, but more complicated stuff in terms of, you know, knowing where you should be in your positions and things like that. Mm-hmm. And the likes of, the likes of uh, myself and the guys here, we're used to, well, at least myself, I'm used to football and hockey, where it, there is a lot of, uh, like like beginner sort of things, things that you can just kind of walk into, you don't need to have much experience. Is that something that's unusual in rugby? At least I've not seen anything like yourselves, at least in Aberdeen anyway. Yeah, something that I think rugby is really good at getting juniors into the game, but then they tend to lose them around about sort of academy time where other things, other parties take take hold and they're look up that and they sort of uh, I think it's getting those players back in again and um, I've given an opportunity for new players who actually quite fancied giving it a go but never thought they could um, or allowing that sort of halfway back into the sport uh, again especially for people who've played a lot maybe played a bit at school but not been able to sort of get back into it because uh, a lot of teams are maybe looking to um yeah, as I said, like maybe maybe looking to win at all sort of all costs and getting that forward yeah. rather than looking to develop teams, I guess. I think without speaking out of turn, I think we are probably the only non-educational sort of entry-level development team going really in the northeast and potentially the north up until lately. There's some teams that have kind of been added in, but I think effectively, yeah, we are the only ones here, right, Jordan? It's probably pretty rare to find um and as you say unless there's that gateway people just don't do it i mean you know before chick sally you had what the gordonians the wanderers i mean you know, you're talking almost semi semi-professional players there's not really any room for you know yeah. a developmental person or somebody with that with a, no sort of prior experience so yeah mm-hmm. it's kind of unusual as well because it's such a popular game you would have almost thought it'd just be because like for football no you get your drop in like five asides and all this stuff, you'd have thought rugby, it would just be a natural thing. There would be heaps of these little, like, inclusive and just clubs that you can just come along to. I think with, like, likes of football and hockey, it's a lot easier for people to sort of pick up and go. You know, football, it's, it's just a case of kicking a ball around and there's not too much technicalities in terms of risk, I guess, involved. Whereas with rugby, there's a lot of, I mean, there's a lot of laws which change from year to year. Um, and there's a lot of technicalities in terms of making sure you're tackling correctly, um, you're doing scrum, uh, scrum lineouts, making you know, sure all that's done properly as well. And it's just a lot more technicalities rather than just um, being able to, um, yeah, as I just run, run on and run on and kick, you know. Yeah. I, think what Grant, I think what Grant means to say is you might die. Which is the- <laughs> <laughs> no, genuinely joking aside. Like um, Grant trains us, has trained us all very, very well, and um, I think has, has put a massive emphasis in terms of it sounds ridiculous, like how to tackle properly. Like it, that sounds kind of sounds absurd, and it sounded absurd to me when I kind of started again. I was thinking, you know, how do you do that? But uh, there is actually quite a lot of skill to it. Uh, 
that has kind of passed on to us, which, you know, you know, you do injury is preventable 100% most of the time. Um, mm-hmm. It's only when actions of others potentially, or as Grant says, there's laws, if there's any legal uh, tackles or anything, that might be a bit more of a higher risk. But yeah, I think he's right. I think it's in terms of risk, it, it is a bit more of a daunting prospect, I think, for a beginner. 100%. Yeah, it's some it's something we we definitely know from like a young age hockey, playing yeah. ice hockey. We we get taught like this is how you take a hit and this is how you give a hit to do it safely so that no one gets hurt and that's ultimately what you you want to come away and still have your and for bad about it, yeah. It's almost it's like, I suppose it's almost easier doing it at that younger age as well because nobody's as big as they're going to be as adults either. Like mm-hmm. you know, it's it's a bit easier to learn how to tackle on like when you're seven like because everyone's at the same height whereas when you're an adult you know you're maybe learning how to tackle someone who's six foot four uh, <laughs> so it's <laughs> i think the other thing as well just on that point of like age is that we have players uh and the people that have joined the team recently and have been a part of the team for a while now and i mean our age ranges from 19 to 40 you know so there's a hmm. Years of uh, mm-hmm. difference, and I think that's pretty promising as well. And it goes to show you that you know, sports again, from an inclusive point of view, it's for everybody, regardless of your age, you know, whether you're sort of younger or older, and um, you can definitely fit in and then come along and have a go. And that's pretty encouraging, it gives a good diversity yeah. of people, it's good for a night out as well. <laughs> <laughs> slide that in there. <laughs> you both kind of touched on it a little bit, but how did the Tex Alley Rugby Club come to light for the both of you? Um, so I'd just had knee surgery. I tore my knee during a match. Um, I think it was 2016, I think. Um, so it was, it was tw- 2018 by the time this, the club um, got formed, but I'd only just come out of surgery to get my knee fixed. So I was out um, not doing anything, not being able to play. So um, I, I kept getting sort of people asking me what about, what, uh, about this club and I had no idea about it. Um, so I like a good prospect and messaged their Facebook page and said like I'll, I'll come along I can't do anything at the moment in terms of playing but I'll easily sort of stand at the side and sort of encourage the lads um, and had they had a, a guest coach for that first session just as an entry level session everyone seemed to enjoy it and then at the end they were like well we haven't got anything organised beyond this week so we'll give you a shout when, whenever we can get coaches and I kind of knew that um, if anything Scottish rugby is not good at is sort of having coaches and stuff like that. So I, I, mm-hmm. I can't thought if, if if no one sort of puts their hand up now, that this is going to be the end of this club before it's mm-hmm. started. So yeah, um, I was like, well, I'll, I'll put my hand up just now, thinking it'll be like a temporary thing. I'll, <laughs> I'll, go, I'll do it for a few weeks, and <laughs> take some light sessions, and then you know, nearly nearly three years later, I'm still head coach. So it's uh, yeah. you're so charitable, Grant. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I guess for myself, as I was saying, I, I, for me, it was just I, I was actually assisting um, Jordan. You were on the committee for Grand Pride as well. And yeah. I think it was actually after that Grand Pride that I discovered uh, Tixali. They had like a, um, they were walking around anyway. And I think we were um, wearing their sort of Tixali t shirts or something like that. And I discovered it then and then decided to go along about, I think maybe a month later. Um, but that was out of a want for 
wanting it for a very long time. You know, I'd even looked in other cities to see if there was anything similar, which you, know, you can see the Thebans in Edinburgh, but you know, you're not exactly going to travel two hours just to go and do some rugby training. So, um, yeah, jumped to the opportunity in May 2019. So I think the club had been formed for, what, Grant, seven months by that point? It was October 2018 or something, wasn't it? The first six months were pretty horrible. Um, just keep motivated, <laughs> purely because we... The club had no money and I didn't really, it was really bizarre because I was obviously used to being in a club that's already been set up, established, they've got like funds, in the, they've got funds to spend on stuff, whereas we were like, we can't, yeah. have, we don't have to have money for balls, we don't have money for an actual pitch, <laughs> we're training in between two football pitches, so the cut, the grass wasn't getting cut and uh, there was maybe like two people turning up to a session and there's obviously only so much you can do that, so for the first six months it was like two or three people at a session, so it's really tricky to keep motivated but obviously really glad we did because after that pride that's when it's we got uh, a bit more um awareness of the club that's when it really snapped and kind of grew to what was what, what it is just now yeah so what what uh league if any do you guys play in it what kind of levels it at so we were meant to join the I think it's called the Tenants Light uh, Caledonia Free. Uh, so it's a, it's a more of a regional um, uh, league with, I mean, it's teams from like Turf and I think the Storn away in there as well um, because it covers like the whole of the north. Um, uh, but that obviously got cancelled. Uh, we were meant to do that in sort of, uh, September, October time, obviously with the second wave and all that didn't really uh, happen. But I think the clubs are looking to... Um, are voting at the moment to what's happening next season so we're hoping to do something but we don't know what format it's going to be in it could be mm-hmm. it could just be friendlies next season it could just be uh leagues but without like promotion relegation or it could be leagues going full 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 whack against we don't know really what's happening at the moment it's just a case of seeing what all other clubs want to do yeah so you said you kind of touched on it a little bit earlier on um saying there's not really much clubs too similar to yourself but how kind of far would you have to travel to find a like a similar entry level club like you guys um the grant if i'm not wrong the closest club to us is is it will be edinburgh so it'll be thebans and then next that would be glasgow alphas although there is a new a brand new um, sort of just out of the box development team. I don't even think they have actually started yet. Um, in Inverness, uh, that we're aware of, so we'll probably get assist and support them. But yeah, for now, it's going to be uh, Edinburgh will be the closest. I think if that's right, Grant. Yeah. Um, yeah, Scotland's quite limited, but once you get down to England, I mean, pretty much they've covered pretty much every city um, there. So there's yeah, there's, there's at least about forty teams throughout the, the country there that have got you know at your sort of inclusive teams so it's yeah i think it's one of the rapid the big the fastest growing sort of amateur mm-hmm. uh, sort of sports teams that are happening is happening at the moment so we seem to have a new team popping up every every uh every week um hmm. yeah, it's, it's quite unique in the fact that we're kind of part of a worldwide network so there's there's hundreds of teams throughout the world and we're we could be messaging teams in the states and uh, we could have teams in australia congratulating us on uh, results and stuff like that so it's it's, it's really cool to have uh, sort of a, more of an international um sort of network. yeah i did i did see as well 
get some tours of different places. I did. <clears throat> Sorry. I did see. Uh, what was it? Your was it your second birthday post? But you had like uh, there was like all these different clubs. It obviously congratulated you and whatnot. You just wouldn't see that in hockey. No. <laughs> you just well, <laughs> not in our league no, anyway. <laughs> But no, it was shouting fucking death <laughs> chants at you and shit. It's like, okay. <laughs> but no, it was nice. It was obviously nice to see that there's these clubs that are growing and they're obviously congratulating you guys and making it this far as well. And it's good to see. Yeah, even in like uh, the local teams at the moment, every, all the teams are really territorial and they absolutely hate the guts out of each other. Uh, um, <laughs> it's not not what you said, but everyone just yeah. There's not a lot, of, not a lot of sort of bridging the gaps between, uh, sort of bridging between them. So, yeah, it's going into sort of the IGR where like all teams just want each other to do well and they're happy to help and happy to send coaches to other teams to make sure they're set up. So, yeah, it's really matching yeah. in that that regard where everyone's sort of coming together and for sort of the same cause. So, uh, sorry. Sorry, I was just going to I'm, I'm not picking my moments for conversation very well here, am I? <laughs> I'm having a shocker. My internet's all over the place. <clears throat> um, I, was, I was just going to say on the, the international thing Grant kind of touched on there as well, that there's also an IGR, there's the Bingham Cup, um, which is, is pretty massive. And I think uh, Canada next year, Grant, is that right? Canada? So yeah, Bingham, Bingham Cup's like the Rugby World Cup for... Yeah. Uh, and then there's... The UE Cup, which is more of a, uh, it's like a Champions League, I guess. It's more of the yeah. uh, Europe, Europe, European teams, but that's in a different place as well. So I was over in Dublin a couple of years back for that. And then the next one's, yeah, they're a bit, I think the next one, I mean, one previous to that was in Spain. And yeah, so it's a lot, a lot of traveling, a lot of sort of international opportunities to sort of travel as well. So I think we're playing the wrong sport, boys. Like, know, we get to go to Fife and well, I think we're going to try and go. To Canada. Well, a few of us are going to try and go to Canada anyway. See, see, do just even uh, just go and watch. I think it would be a pretty good opportunity. So, to be quite fair, could you imagine us going over to play a team in Canada? Nope, that'd be <laughs> fucking brutal. <laughs> spanked. So, speaking of tournaments and things, you guys played um, just before the first lockdown in March. You guys played in a tournament just before all that sort of kicked off, didn't you? Yeah, that was touch and go. Because uh, <laughs> obviously, um, we, we may have flown to London just at the very uh, crest at the start of the pandemic there. Uh, no, it was before everything had kicked off. But yeah, we did. We went out to Hadrian's Cup. And uh, again, granted, if I'm not wrong, it was like 14 of us went down. Is that right? 14? Yeah, it's 14. We had, we had a couple of subs we took from other teams. Yeah. So I, I, I had contacts. I was like, right, you, you're coming to play with us. So I had a couple of players from Bristol. I had one from Ireland. So I kind of did some, uh, got out of the black book and had a bit of a. Uh, got some like, ringers. Yeah. Got some so ringers. Yeah. <laughs> with you saying there, like, obviously, you like kind of hand picked players from other teams. How, how does that work? Because, like, in hockey, like, we can't really do that as such um, unless you're absolutely struggling. Like if we were to turn up to a game and say like, you know, the, like the goalie got stuck behind an accident or something, we could potentially borrow a second. A goalie. Yeah. Like guess a goalie or have the backup from the other team. Like how does it work for you guys? Is there like a lot of paperwork behind it or? There, there wasn't a lot of malice in it. Um, they were, there were names like properly on the, on the, on the, on the, on the team uh, list before. 
Um, it's, just, it's just a bit more relaxed, I guess. Um, rugby's, I mean, I've, I can see it locally as well. Like rugby's, everyone's, you might have players coming into our team. So a lot of, play, a lot of teams sort of player share as well. So yeah. Um, yeah, it's definitely a lot less strict. But I mean, if we're going into like Bingham Cup and Union Cup, they, they you have to prove that these players have been playing with you. So we probably won't get away with that um, for unless it's sort of pre-approved and stuff. But um, mm-hmm. that's largely it was it was our squads. So there's only a couple of players that sort of helped just have a couple of subs so people get rest and stuff. So it wasn't it wasn't as if we had our uh, we brought in star players that were scoring all our tries mm-hmm. and doing all the hard work. It, yeah, it was, <laughs> it was definitely the reverse uh, on that one. Yeah, they did. They didn't really. They didn't actually play. If, when we looked at it, that many matches either. I think one of them was actually in a few, but the other one didn't actually play that many matches for us either, really. It was mainly for our guys. But as you say, by this point, I mean, what was it, six matches? We needed, uh, we definitely needed some subs. Yeah. <laughs> it was a struggle. It was, it was quite, yeah, it was quite weirdly organised. So you literally finished a match and they were like, oh, you're through to the semi-final and that's going to be on this pitch in about five minutes' time. Uh, <laughs> so, and then... Sack that. Yeah, we got to we won a semi final. They're like, right, you're on the main pitch now. We haven't got much time left, but you've got ten minutes to get all your teammates. <laughs> We've all, all say all scattered in different directions because they think they've got an hour to wait before the next. <laughs> day. Uh, I would like to say that I was lying on the changing rooms floor, not realizing that the game had started. I think someone came running in. Yeah, I think the screenshot of uh, you put on your your social media for us uh, being on it. I think that picture of me was me with my mouth guard wondering where everyone was. The other team had all the players ready to go. Um, like, uh, <laughs> it's like that John, like... John Travolta meme. Yeah, I was. <laughs> <laughs> Look around. I take it they weren't full length games then. They weren't a full eighty minutes every game. No. No. Yeah. Ten minutes. Uh, okay. That'd have been is there, insane. Is there, like... being, is there being awfully modest though about this tournament? We did win. There we go. There we go. <laughs> that wasn't very confident we, at uh, all. So, yeah, we won. So we were in the we were in the development part of the, the tournament. So we won what's called the Antonius. Is the Antonius plate? Am I saying that right, Grant? I think it's Antonius plate. Um yeah, probably it's like an Antonis just reading. And yeah, Antonis plate. Um, and the actual Hadrian's Cup was uh, for the slightly more advanced teams. Um, but I mean, you know, we went down there and really we'd only played one uh, full eight-minute match against an opposing team. We played a lot of sort of um, smaller matches during training and stuff, but our first full match uh, we played against the Glasgow Alphas. So this was uh, a bit of a baptism by fire. But I think a couple of us, we kept winning matches and we're all looking at each other a bit bewildered, like, I'm not sure how this is happening. <laughs> but actually, to be honest... Uh, Grant prepared us really well and we were preparing for that I would say at least two months in advance we were really sort of um getting into the crux of uh, the contact ball as well so no I think it was it was well learned on the guys the, the, I think the goal I went down with was right we, I just want them to win one one game that that'd be perfect <laughs> I don't care what happens the rest of it but one game they uh, it'd be it'd be brilliant to do that and you know just kept winning I was just like what's what's going on <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, considering a lot of the guys that was their first ever time in competitive rugby, and they ended up winning a tournament. That's like that you peaked. You peaked really early, guys. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> just, like, 
that was, that was my first like proper sil- bit of silverware as well. Uh, in my, in my, in my, I'm not even tired. It was just weird. It was, it was one of those days where you just kind of, I just I kind of felt like everything would just sort of clicked in place, and you could even in the final when we were a couple of tries down, we, I kind of got that feeling that we we're gonna end up winning this. So yeah, it was really bizarre on that one. Hmm. Sorry, just to highlight as well that, that that's a valid point. The the final of that tournament was against the team that we'd played the full match against, who we got absolutely humped by uh, in our first ever <laughs> game. So there was a little bit of just desert served too, so it uh, made, made the plate a little bit sweeter, not the line. <laughs> it shows your, your uh, coaching's working, Grant. That's all it shows. Oh, it's good to see you go uh, boosting me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not, I'm not totally crap at this. There was definitely a bit of imposter syndrome to begin with. But, uh, that sort of like, okay. Something's, something's okay. Something's okay. Here. You guys say on your uh, social medias and stuff that you're Aberdeen's only inclusive rugby club. Do you just want to kind of delve a bit more into that and explain a bit more to us and people listening what that means? Yes. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, I'll, I'll do it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Anyone else? <laughs> <laughs> so, by, by inclusive, I mean, so was, the club was set up for primarily for LGBT players uh, looking to come into the sport because um, they're vastly underrepresented in rugby and it's just something that doesn't really get talked about mm-hmm. uh, a lot. So that was the main goal. But then as we found out, it sort of became um, inclusive in terms of experience and inclusive in terms of Actually, anyone could come and play. Um, age, regardless. Yeah, age came into it. Sex came into it. Yeah, gender, um, nationality. You know, uh, yeah, all that stuff sort of came into the mix and sort of created a sort of a good um, sort of um, vibe, I guess. Awesome. Yeah, and I guess to I suppose just to kind of expand it, the, the team itself, as I say, we've got people age ranging between 19 and 40 and literally almost every age in between and um, you've got experienced like very quite experienced players actually and you've got some complete not novices as you know that have even recently just joined us you know we've had um we've got a number of straight players number of gay players bisexual players trans players you know we we are actually when we say inclusive um i guess it, it, it's in the nature of it as well i think people were automatically attracted to the fact that, you know, it's kind of that be anybody and come and join situation. As I say, mm-hmm. current teams, it's not to mean to say that they're not inclusive. It's just to say that I think there's maybe a slight level of trepidation that people kind of find it more difficult to go and join something that is predominantly maybe, you know, a male sport or a straight male sport for that matter. And um, so I think just, yeah, the, the team has managed to attract a pretty wide array of people. As Grant says, that's also across multiple nationalities as well. So it's pretty cool. Yeah, you you guys touch well. You touch in there, uh, Duncan, on it being like looked at as a predominantly male straight sport. So what what kind of sort of impact did a player such as like Gareth Thomas coming out have on like the game of rugby as a whole? So, uh, I guess I can quickly jump in, but I guess uh, ironically, there's actually a few rugby players. So there's Gareth Thomas, there's also uh, Keegan Hurst as well. Um, he also came out, um, both of which had you know families and things, and were kind of I suppose uh, effectively sort of um, consider themselves straight for the majority of their lives. So 
Yeah, I think yeah. that has a big impact. And I think that that kind of describes rugby in itself. It is quite uh, an inclusive sport. I mean, I say it's predominantly white male. That is kind of true when you look at our immediate local area. But the wider sport in general, as Grant said, there's IGR teams um, all over the world. Um, it's just that we didn't really have them locally um, or, or within sort of the northern region of Scotland until now. But yeah, I think that those guys coming out, is, it's a massive push as well. And it's also, I suppose, reassuring to people that do see an inclusive team, seeing sort of high level names and things or household names coming out and kind of, I suppose, having the bravery to do so. It's very difficult for these guys. Um, yeah. And you look at you look yeah, at definitely. You, you look at sport like football that it's still a bit of a stigma in football there isn't a lot of out gay football players certainly not household names anyway and be a lot more difficult to name a few so yeah that's my perspective but I don't know about you grant um i find it was good to have you know someone be that first person but in terms of me coming out and it it just didn't help me at all <laughs> i i <laughs> you know, if, uh yeah it just felt like for me, it just felt like Gareth Thomas was, you know, it was, it was you know, miles away from where I was playing, and it, it just I didn't see myself because he uh, he's like captain, uh, Welsh captain international, and you know, elite 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 level player. So mm-hmm. people, you kind of think, oh, well, he has to be sort of treated well because it's all so he's sort of high profile. And um, whereas I felt when I was when I was before I came out, um, I just felt like I didn't see anyone. You know, of our club, get gay, uh, gay players in, in club rugby. I still think I still think that's a bit of an issue at the moment. Is that it's great having these the uh, sort of inclusive teams, but it's making sure um, players are getting support out with that as well, and making yeah. sure we're, we're helping other teams as well, um, making sure they they can make their spaces as, as inclusive as possible. Because um, yeah, I were killed to have a team like this um, when I was um, struggling. Um, with my sexuality and stuff like that coming out in a, in a straight team so um, yeah it's definitely it's been a good motivation to have this team set up and um, try and build stuff that I wish I you know had mm-hmm. that makes sense yeah that's awesome so that you can kind of lay the foundations of what you wanted when you were younger and give it to younger yeah. folk and folk that are now coming into the sport and kind of world and give it yeah. to them cool you can change that sort of difficult situation into a really positive situation for for future others as well mm-hmm. you know it's been able to sort of transform that round brilliant yeah yeah and i think that, as grant says it's changing a narrative i guess that you know um and, and trying to make it obvious to people but it's funny as well though because then um, i think i guess i suppose i'm actually probably a bit older than you as well grant but i, I suppose you know, we do come from generations still that when we were younger, there was still a lot of connotations of homophobia, whether that was like microaggressions, didn't have to necessarily be people walking around and sort of spitting out names at you. But, yeah. you know, there was definitely still a stigma. You know, you look at TV, you look at sport, didn't matter what it was, there wasn't a lot of profile stuff out there that, that actually sort of assisted you in, as Grant says, kind of being accepted or feeling represented, I guess, is probably more and more what I'm trying to say. And I think that's, you know, that's really important. But, I mean, we've got, you know, young 19-year-olds now that are the most confident people in the world and have been out since we're gone as well. And that, that's brilliant. <laughs> and, and as, much as, as much as you think, well, I wish I could have been like that when I was younger, it kind of does demonstrate that level of step change. Do you know what I mean? And I guess... Not, not by any means suggesting that we're role models, but I guess at least seeing us as well, being sort of like older and, and being a part of this also, I hope, promotes to them that you know, it's just 
kind of live your life you do you you know what I mean and makes them feel a bit more comfortable in their own shoes absolutely yeah cool I think you I think you probably kind of do have to see yourselves as role models though because you're like you're you're doing something that hasn't been done before and like like you you were kind of saying grad you wish you had something like this before so the fact that you are now doing this is yeah there's going to be people out there whether whether they take up rugby or not or whether it just gives them the encouragement to go and you know just come out in whatever sense or sport that they're going into that they just feel comfortable and going no this is who I am and this is you've got to just deal with it sort of thing yeah. it's good it's good to see I think a lot of sports also could like take a leaf out of your guys book and potentially start up the same kind of thing within football within hockey for our kind of sakes you know there's there's Personally, I don't know. Like in I, in the hockey world, there's not a lot of guys. That I couldn't name a single one, to be quite honest. So, which is quite worrying. To be well, not worrying, but quite scary when you think about it. When obviously in this day and age, and everything's viewed a bit more openly, you kind of hope folk would be more comfortable to come out in that kind of sense. Mm-hmm. There's still a lot of work to be done. Oh, one hundred percent. I think there's there's a, a misrepresentation in. in all is fine, you know what I mean? And I think that um, you, you, you do have people that will question things like, why do we need pride? And, or why do we need, I, I, got, I've, I have actually been asked this question, well, why do we need an inclusive club? And it, it's hmm. funny, it's, it's always a perspective of those that, do, that don't that do experience what you experience. So there's a level of ignorance, I guess. That yeah. It's easy to judge it from the outside, isn't it? When you've Absolutely. never really had the experience of it. I think a lot of people will maybe look at it as well as like, Although like, you guys have got the inclusive part in the name, maybe people on the outside looking into to other teams will go, well, they would be inclusive anyway. You know, that, that's maybe their thought on it when, like you well, said, actually. for somebody in within your community wanting to go and join a team that's predominantly straight, it's too it's, it's difficult it's for you guys. It's, it's daunting on you, you know. So. Uh, I'm coming back from like my knee injury and going back into my team I, I kept, went my first session back I was like my god like if I if I'd never played before I would have yeah I was struggling despite having played mm-hmm. you know school I was struggling with that session mm-hmm. uh, yeah I, if I'm struggling uh, then people coming into that sport are just gonna have yeah there, there is something that could be really put off by um so yeah so that yeah and you know, you guys know yourself as well. It's similar to hockey. It, um, it, it by definition, it is uh, an aggressive sport. You know, the, it's the same as rugby in terms of that. It, and there is this um, weird thing that you know you kind of have to be this. I guess is that kind of to coin a better phrase like toxic masculinity. Like you know, you've got to be sort of a brutal man to be able to play the brutal man game type yeah. scenario. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's been a misrepresentation I think particularly sort of going slightly off of just um, talking about LGBT but particularly for gay men in particular it's actually quite difficult mm-hmm. um, I mean you go to Hadrian, Hadrian's Cup you had some pretty rough gay men down there as well <laughs> 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 people in the pitch you know it's just it's that whole thing that sexuality doesn't dictate ability you know and um, mm-hmm. but I still think there is a little bit of stigma behind that as well yeah yeah, I definitely thought like before I came out, like rugby and my sexuality would be completely incompatible, and that was me like actually in a quite in, you know quite a, a good environment in terms of my club. But I still thought that actually, as soon as I come out, that's me done. <laughs> for, 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 yeah, I'm gonna have to give up the sport I love. So, um, 
And I'll say that would never, it would ne- that would never happen. My, my teammates were really great, but yeah, me trying to sort of come into that sport. And I guess for people not, if not, uh, yeah, coming to school for the first time, coming to the sport for the first time, that's kind of what they would maybe feel like. Um, but yeah, this, the Aberdeen Tech Flyers really helped me in terms of being able to sort of find my identity and be able to mix and map so I can play rugby, but like uh, all, all the um, stuff that comes with uh, being in, in sort of the uh, LPT community as well. Whereas uh, you can't, it's not like picking and choosing either or, mm. you can blend them together and have a yeah. really good mix. Yeah, it's like a double support system, really, though, isn't it? It's like coaching and community. You know, you get taught how to play rugby, but you've also got a community that you can you can enjoy and relax. You feel in. comfortable in. Yeah, I think that's certainly from uh, what Aberdeen was lacking was like a grounded group in. Mm. that were LGBT so people could actually come along and make friends because I think I think for a lot of the guys it was really difficult to make friends because a lot of guys would assume you're trying to hit on them and stuff and mm-hmm. it was more of an attitude of actually people just want to hook up in Aberdeen whereas you actually could have a group that of mates that um, just want to hang out with each other and share these uh, share, share these bits and pieces with and have someone to talk to about an issue they they, they understand as well mm. uh, I think too, like in, in terms of like our current situation in the lockdown, and I don't know if I speak for you as well, Grant, but you know, even though we weren't able to play, we were doing like certain things, like we did like a walking challenge in January, we did sort of Zoom quizzes, and so you know, I guess a lot of other people did that, but you know, having the team has actually probably kept me a bit sane through that situation. I'm sure you guys, from the hockey perspective, are probably exactly the same, like, like a family, yeah, and and you know, or. You know, people, and I, I experienced this so much, like the last couple of weeks has been a bit mental. I've not really, I haven't been to training because I've had uni stuff, work stuff, and my house is getting fixed, all sorts of stuff. And um, the number of the guys that will message me and be like, where are you? I haven't seen you in a while. Are we going for a walk this week? You know, just and like, I, I, with that, just sort of, you know, having somebody even check in on you, it, it makes yeah. a massive difference. It gives you know, a little boost. Difference. Yeah, totally. Awesome. Sound like you've got a right good community of guys and people around you. That sounds wicked. But we want to move it on a little bit with you being two and a half years old and you've, your numbers keep growing and growing and you are getting bigger and bigger. What's next for the rugby club after lockdown when, when that's lifted completely for games, tournaments and everything of the sorts? Um, so I think we... Definitely, if we're able to play matches again, then hopefully summertime... Uh, hope to have maybe either host a, a tournament or have uh, go to our tournaments as well even if it's like sevens or tens just to get people running about and having having fun again um, so it'd be good to do that and then obviously down in, in to awesome time when you know things hopefully are a bit more relaxed we can go into and actually uh, we can go into leagues and have actually have our debut in that because it's been something that's been long we should have done, yeah if things have gone well we, we've, we've done this a couple of years ago so um so it's it's, it's a chance for us to actually kind of get onto that ladder i guess i think as well the the Tixali committee uh, so the committee that kind of runs the club um we've got a fairly sizable committee as well we've been working with the scottish rugby union and their developmental team to try and um do sort of a five to ten year development plan for the club and um, which includes various things so as you mentioned like we're, we're growing in numbers we had as we went into lockdown i think granted if i'm not wrong we had about 30 uh, registered players um 
and then we had a wait list of about 18. I mean, you're approaching, you know, if that wait list comes to fruition, we're approaching 50 people in Jesus. roughly less than two years, uh, sorry, less than three years, which is a huge amount. Um, so we do need to think about the development of clubs. So the, the committee's been doing that. We have put together a five to 10 year developmental plan. Um, and that includes lots of things like sort of taking on additional coaches so that Grant can train some additional coaches. Um, and I mean, by that, I also mean that, you know, OK, we might take on a coach that's sort of already a coach in terms of rugby. But I think that there is a specific set of skills that a coach needs to have to be able to train a Texali team. And I think that Grant's going to have to impart a lot of wisdom onto that person. So they will have to be sort of taken on and, and trained. And then we'll move into a sort of continually have a developmental team and then move on to slightly more advanced stuff. Um, and we also understand that under the laws of rugby, we can't play with women. So we can't actively play games. So to be truly inclusive, we have actually considered, um, and, and it will be up for consideration, potentially also forming a women's team um, as sort of a subpart of Tech Sally. And it would be the same, same principles, inclusive, developmental, and it would be an opportunity uh, to, to build something like that as well. Just to try and make Tech Sally kind of truly inclusive so that it is literally there for absolutely everyone. Everyone. That'd be awesome. That'd be incredible. And uh, yeah. guys, I've, I've been... I know the guys have been waiting because I've been burning to ask this question because I've got people on that play rugby. But uh, what did you guys think of the Six Nations? Did you catch a lot of it, I presume? (laughs) (laughs) It it was frustrating. Um, There's been a lot of false dawns in Scottish rugby and Mm. they're they're, they're very good at giving you hope and then sort of snatching it away. <laughs> Within Scotland about the last you, two though. minutes of a game, yeah. It's... <laughs> yeah, sometimes I'd rather we were Italy and just got humped at every... We seem to want to uh, sort of make it hard for ourselves. Mm-hmm. It was definitely the most hopeful I've been in terms of, I think it's been the most impressive um, tournament I think Scotland have had uh, yeah. this, this century, uh, this century, definitely. Um and yet, little things here and there could have been a completely different outcome for Scotland. So, I mean, um, but something I really was really heartened by was the fact that um, we weren't going to games and conceding loads of points and having to trail back uh, mm. the last minute. Um, so we're holding our own, and we didn't. We weren't losing matches by. I mean, I think we lost against um, Wales by one point, and that was. You know, down to the unluckiness of the red card, mm-hmm. and then um, I think we we lost against Ireland against uh, by like three points, and we we came back from you know to four, uh, fourteen points down as well. So um, it's good to get yeah, it's good it's good to see like Scotland winning away because um, mm-hmm. it's either been uh, it's, you've you been really good at home, but uh, the way away record was absolutely terrible. So it was good this year, and in uh, back into the autumn as well to see them break those records of actually winning away in Wales, winning away in Twickenham, which we you know hadn't done since like 1983 before I was even born. <laughs> and <laughs> uh, winning winning in in Paris again on the last weekend, which was so on Scottish to to see them win at the last minutes of uh, mm-hmm. that final the final play. And normally that, that it would have been a, a knock on and that would have been us like heartbroken again. So <laughs> it was a good um yeah, it was a good finisher um, for that. And uh, hopefully it puts a lot of our players in, up in contention for, for line selection as well. It'd be good to see them in there, wouldn't it? Yeah. 
I think with with Gregor and uh, Steve Tandy going in um, as like assistant coaches, I think um, we could start. We could see them taking a bit more of a. Uh, we could see uh, Warren Gatlin taking a bit more a more of a punt on mm-hmm. on Scott players because you've you've got guys there that know them and know how they train and know how to get back them as well. So yeah, it's good to see them getting some recognition as well. You know, obviously with Hamis Watson getting uh, player of the tournament and things, it was nice to see sort of decent Scottish players actually getting some recognition over the big names that you normally hear from all the other nations. I think it's helped that we've had, um, you know, likes of, I mean, Finn Russell's was, he's been playing at Racing, he's been playing some mm-hmm. of his best rugby as well, so he's been able to mature yeah. there. He's yeah. seen like Hogg and uh, Richie, uh, sorry, uh, Johnny Gray down, down in Exeter, so they're starting to learn to win win matches, mm-hmm. whereas they weren't really necessarily able to do that at Glasgow and Edinburgh, so they're able to learn and sort of bring that into the squad. Mm-hmm. Um, as well, so yeah, hopeful. But you know, I'd like I we, I kind of want to see those results before um, saying anything else. <laughs> yeah. I uh, particularly in the true Scottish fashion absolutely loved most of it. To be honest, I mean, even when we were losing, I thought that there was parts of it where we were still winning. Some of the skill mm-hmm. that we showed by some of the guys, some of the, ah. the 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 level of playing and the dominance. I think that Scotland showed, and even in games that were lost. I think it was so impressive, and mm-hmm. also there was quite a bit of consistency, which I think, you know, I'm not a, not as um, prone to grant and sort of dissecting the games, but you know, I have seen previously like they can be pretty bad consistency-wise throughout the game. You know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. But I kind of think in a lot of the games throughout, they were actually really consistent. As I say, that level of dominance was pretty pretty obvious, as Grant said, in, in the fact that they didn't concede many points in any losses. So, mm-hmm. yeah, no. Uh, the bets were really good, and yeah, there wasn't a game where they absolutely, you know, obliterated themselves. Um, mm. all, there was there were always a contention, and they're only ever like a score, uh, even like a penalty away from winning. So um, to have a really competitive team that could have easily beaten any other any of those teams, uh, all, all the other five five nations in that tournament, they could have easily won against all of them, and that just makes them really exciting to watch, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You seen even you seen even when Scotland were taking penalties and stuff that they'd never looked out of the game. Whereas previously in years before they would have taken those penalties, the game would have just passed them by and that was it. Mm-hmm. I definitely remember yeah, I definitely remember times where Scotland just couldn't score. So they'd be like I think it was definitely early, you know, early, you know, twenty tens and stuff like that. They just could not score a, a match. So they'd be parked at their Try like uh, a team's try line for ten minutes, and they just wouldn't come away with any points whatsoever. So it's good, yeah, it's good to see them being getting the balance of okay, we're going to score, uh, play nice, uh, nice, quick zippy rugby and uh, score some points, but also seeing the the defense coming into it as well because you know you had games like um, you know going back to the World Cup in twenty fifteen, you had that the game with Australia where you know there was points going left and right, left and right, left and right. And they kept totting up, so they kept going in and out of the lead. The leads were, they were I think, now they're actually able to defend properly. So they're and mm-hmm. bots also play with flair as well, which is yeah, yeah something that is like... I'd seen, a, sorry, I'd seen a, a couple of things over the course of this Six Nations, and it was more about Italy. And you kind of mentioned there about Italy getting hammered pretty much every week. And I heard them mentioning they should start to think about taking other teams up. I can't remember the team they kind of was it Georgia, Georgia they mentioned yeah. where the, these teams are kind of knocking at the door. Do you think going forward that's something they should maybe think about? Yeah, so I definitely think there should be like a, a, 
a playoff uh, in the autumn test window. So if a team finishes last, then they play a they play a a, a playoff in the autumn on time with the the winning team uh, from the Europe Euro, Euro, uh, for the Europe uh, European Championship. Um, mm-hmm. And then potentially having that team, if the, if the team comes up, then they maybe get a year, uh, a year's grace. So there's maybe not relegation for the next season. So they're able to have that um, sort of time to really relax. And because last thing we wanted to doing is having Italy and Georgia swapping over every single year. Um, yeah. yeah. They, they could have one that's really competitive. Uh, but there's, I mean, there's also rumours about um, South Africa coming in as well. Because, I mean, we've got the Rainbow Cup coming in for the Pro mm-hmm. Fourteen, so we've got the South African teams come up from that because they've gone, they've been booted out of the Super Rugby. So with them lining their season more, their club with their clubs lining the season more to the Northern Hemisphere teams, we could start to see the national team sort of pull more up, uh, up to, um, yeah, the Six Nations season as well because it would probably make more sense for them because obviously the Southern Hemisphere are on completely different time uh, timing to, in terms of their 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 seasons and stuff as well so yeah awesome i think that kind of rounds us up for today and i think when i speak for for all of us what you guys are doing for for the community with the rugby teams absolutely awesome no, i think um, it's fucking brilliant we take our hats off to that that's it is incredible and it's, it's good to see that there's a lot of people you know getting involved as well it's awesome it really is good Oh, thanks, guys. Really appreciate it. And just to, to comment as well that, you know, um, not to blow smoke up Grant's arse, but <laughs> is actually the kind of the driving force realistically behind a lot of this. Um, and I think that's obviously it's quite obvious at training as well. There's a, there's a lot of respect um, in terms of how Grant actually manages us, trains us. And, you know, we've been to other things like the clinics, rugby clinics, where, you know, they, they help improve developmental teams at Phoebe's Clinic. And they, that was when we were really young. And I mean, the other teams commented so much and how unbelievable it was that we had only formed whenever we'd formed and stuff like that and how far we were. And it's just a complete accolade to, mm-hmm. to Grant and what he does. So, yeah. yeah, I think that just a sort of a, a big shout out to you, Grant, and lots of smoke mm-hmm. up your arse there. But <laughs> another one to the ego. I'm going to be humble and say that, um, you know, it sort of takes sort of a good team of people around to make sure I can do what I can, what I do. And, uh, I mean, we're great too. That's right. But, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It takes, yeah, it takes like for, yeah, spending the committee and, you know, we've got guys that are finding us money and, you know, organizing pitches and making sure st- stuff's happening. Um, so I can just come onto the pitch and, you know, coach. Um, so yeah, I mean, if it was just, if the club was just run by me and set up by me, it would, it would, it would probably would lasted a month. Um, <laughs> well, I'm so disorganized, you know, things put off and put off so um to have people just actually sort of nudging me <laughs> forward and um yeah it's, it's i think we find a good mix of uh certainly for the committee as well that you know tries to get the best out of everyone mm-hmm. awesome. it's good to hear been it's been awesome having you guys on it's been good Thanks, to hear and, yeah. all the best for the the coming coming year and coming seasons and mm-hmm. hope everything just hope goes from strength to strength yeah yeah um yeah, thanks for having us on. And yeah, if anyone wants to give Robbie a go, or just find us, you'll find us on social media. Send us a message, and we can give you details. And um, yeah, you don't have to be never. You, you could have had no rugby experience whatsoever. You might not have even seen watched rugby before, but we'll, we'll, we can you, you, you can we can give you that opportunity to give it a go and see if you like it. If you don't, well, you know that's something to take off. But 
Uh, there's your chance, Keith. There's your chance. <laughs> I'll get my Converse and board shorts looked out. <laughs> well, if you do then, you know, it's, it's something that I find is 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 the positive uh, to to be a part of. So awesome, awesome, awesome. Thanks again. Guys. Thanks for coming Thanks on, guys. Thanks for coming on, guys. Thanks, Tranquility Base here. The Eagle has landed. Big thanks to Grant and Duncan for joining us on the on the podcast this week. It was quite nice to hear some of their, their stories. Obviously, they've kind of had different routes to where they've gotten to now. Like, yeah. obviously, Grant, Grant himself has played for years and years, and it was he obviously must have struggled a little bit, like, no, because he was struggling with his coming out sort of I thing. And, so, then, yeah. and then he's found kind of... Sally and yeah. he was saying Expanded what was he saying like he, he started to feel himself like start to find yeah. out who he is yeah. which is, which is great there's, to hear there's, there's nice and not nice parts to that though isn't there I mean the nice part is he, he you know he then was in a situation where he was comfortable but it, it's, it's also horrible that he was in a situation where he wasn't, he wasn't comfortable yeah, yeah. that's, being, that's yeah. nothing you would like, ever want like within your team you would never yeah, like, like in a general sports team like you can't feel comfortable like like you should when you're in a team you should feel well, obviously we know you should feel as part of a, a team or a family yeah, yeah. Like, I would, just exactly. because you come out as gay i would or hate or i would hate still. to think i would hate to think that anyone that i've ever played with in a sports team has felt uncomfortable to, to be themselves yeah. basically just yeah. be yourself like I but just really... in any capacity, just to be yourself, yeah, just to be yeah, who yeah. you are and enjoy who you are you and enjoy the sport that you play as well. Happy. No. Uh, which is why I think the Tixali Club is such a fantastic thing because it, it kind of covers a lot of bases in that, as I said, it covers the, the community side of things. It gives somebody somewhere where they can feel sort of comfortable and be themselves, but it, but it also gives them the chance to sort of, if they've never tried the game of rugby, that's daunting enough in itself if you're going yeah. along to your first training session. Whereas yeah. like... To have a big welcoming atmosphere like that, where you know you're taught the game, you're you're taught the process, you're taught the all these things. Up, yeah. Like I think that's what makes it such a special club. And it, the thing is, as well, like to go to anything new as an adult that you've oh, never fucking, done, it's difficult. It's super it's daunting. daunting. Kid, super when daunting. you're a kid, you've got all the confidence. You just go straight up. Yeah, and you see, you, but you see, like folk like warming up, or like for us, like you know, you'd you'd be standing outside the ice and see folk whizzing around, and you're going, "Oh God, what have I done?" Yeah. <laughs> yeah i would i think i would shit myself is like with rugby i'd be like oh my fucking i, I can run but <laughs> yeah <laughs> i don't know how far that's gonna get me when someone fucking comes to me <laughs> well, we obviously so, yeah. didn't know much about the club before they came on but how much they opened up and actually yeah, it was spoke a about brilliant it. insight it into insane yeah. i, really I kind of appreciate what they're doing I kind of knew a little bit because I, I kind of knew Grant because he's the manager of Thistle Sports and then I, I knew Duncan personally, like away from the mm-hmm. Tixali and stuff. So I kind of had a little insight into it, but it mm-hmm. kind of opened my eyes to the full the full scale of it. It's yeah. awesome to see. So if there is anyone out there that's looking to get into rugby, is feeling a bit uncomfortable about going, about going these are the guys you need to go to. Yeah. yeah. Like they're so welcoming and I think you can hear that from them and from all the kind of clubs that are very similar. That it's a very welcoming place to be. So yeah, for great sure. Great for team. Sure. Oh, there's something I was meant to ask before, before we're going to the interview. Jake Paul, Ben Askren. <laughs> <laughs> where, where are we making of this? I would say die for the money that he made. Easy $500,000 for Mr. Ben Askren. I'd Plus get pay for the chops for that. Uh, ben Askren didn't get any pay-per-view buys uh, money. 
Did you see the, Did you see the walk? The walk with him and his yeah. He was laughing on the. He was laughing uh, on the way back. To she the like she like giving giving him a big hug like oh that was really good wasn't it? We just yeah. got. I thought you were going on about Jake Paul's walk to the ring with his fucking stupid robot thing. So he's got this guy that dressed in like a that. transformer outfit and walked behind him. It's that's how cool, do you to kick him in the dick? Eh? <laughs> fucking dick! Somebody needs to just fucking. Plan. I I'd, I'd really I'm, like I'm to see him. I want like, a boxer go with him. Yeah, like a like a decent like a decent. What is he? Is he heavyweight? Is he fight heavyweight? No, no, no he's like no, hundred and eighty no. pounds maybe. Maybe middleweight. Yeah. Obviously, boxing's got so much fucking weight class. Be, I have no fucking yeah, idea. But I'm lost in, in all of those. He's not over the big 180 pound, maybe 186. He's, he's yet to fight a boxer. Given it, he's yet to fight a stand-up fighter. Go I wouldn't fight even if he fucking boxer. called out another fucking MMA guy. As long as they're a stand-up person, yeah, he going night night. Even then, no. Look, what? Why go and fight yeah. a boxer? You're, you're if you really want to be called a boxer, go and fight, fight a, a boxer. boxer. Fight an actual boxer. You're you are yet to be called. You're yet to call yourself a boxer until you've actually yeah, fought. Also, yet to call out Connor, a boxer. Connor McGregor can at call least out call the hardest fucking a boxer, and he's went with the. Well, best... Connor was a boxer. Well, Connor was a boxer. No, but like, boxer, yeah. yeah, but he's not. He's not known as a boxer. Is he? No. He's known as an MMA fighter. Yeah, like Connor I think McGregor. At that stage in time, you're changing their sport the entirely. Best boxer ever. Like you're you're changing their sport entirely because an MMA fighter there's a, there's so many different aspects to to although it's still fighting although it's still punching there's a huge amount of difference between the two. Yeah. Not even that yeah. you're not even like Ben Askren isn't a stand up fighter he's a fucking grappler or a wrestler, wrestler. like yeah. his stand up anyway was pish shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm no fighter I'm no MMA fighter but his stand up <laughs> was fucking shit. Yeah. I mean, there's no denying. I mean, the punch he threw it looked fairly oh, powerful. Like, I mean, clean. there's no, there's no denying he's got some skills. But like, you put him you know, in there with he, a proper he is, boxer, he does, he's going to you know, get he dominated. Train, you know, he is training properly. There's no denying that. But I think to sort of be like calling yourself a you fighter, know, on as big a game as you are, you need to be fighting people who are I at big game. seen a, a, a meme on Instagram like this morning when I got up. And it was... Uh, met, it was like one of these ones where men only think of one thing <laughs> it was Jake, uh, Jake Paul and Francis Nganu. please fucking set that up <laughs> well, that's a bit of a weight difference I couldn't give a fuck you'll kill him no shit <laughs> you'd kill quite yeah. a lot of heavyweights you fucking cunts I don't, think, I don't think there was any denying who was going to win that fight on the night was there really no there was a, there was I've hope. just really wanted Ben Askren to go in and fucking suplex the shit out of Jake Paul. <laughs> yes, he put a tweet out saying if somebody sets up a GoFundMe page and the purse for the GoFundMe is higher than my fight purse, I will put him to sleep by rear naked choke. <laughs> Could you imagine? So I just think I seen a I seen a thing before where Jake Paul had said, "What was it? If if I win, I'll double your purse. I'll no. If you win, I'll double your purse. If I if, win." You give me your purse and I'll, I'll, I'll give donate it to the charity, charity of your choice. And you seen Ben Askren hesitate and he goes like, uh, I'll think. Well, that's the thing. Ben went. No, but it tells you that Ben Askren is just. Ben from the beginning. For the money. Looking for the money. Yeah. Yeah. And it's beginning. obvious that he needs it. <laughs> no, yeah. Ben's not that bad off. He's not. No, he's but like if he's, if he's that thingy about the purse, well, that's it tells so, me. So he went in from the beginning and he said, there's no shadow of a doubt. If Jake Paul's a good boxer, I'm going to lose. I don't think he's a good boxer, but if he can actually box, I will lose. And I was like, "Fuck, okay." Yeah. Good on yeah. you for thinking that. But I mean, you know your you know your game at that stage, don't you? Yeah. Yeah. 
Anyways, anyway, boys, yeah. I think we know what time it is. What time it is? Salad dressing. As usual, starting us off with game of the week, we have Junior. What are you, what are you giving us? This Fucking, week I'm gonna who go are you for... giggly fucks? <laughs> Keith. <laughs> ta, 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 today, Junior. Yeah, this week I'm going to go for Far Cry 3. It's an uh, open world uh, first person shooter. Jordan doesn't like Far Cry. I think uh, Far Cry 3 is probably the best one. It's got people in it like uh, Michael Mando. If you watch Better Call Sal, he plays Nacho in Better Call Sal. Is he in 3, is he? Yeah, he's the main protagonist that plays Vass in a my my opinion, I think it's probably one of the best performances that in video game history for like a fucking antagonist. He does really good. But I thought I'd pick this just because Far Cry 6 is right around the corner and it's got uh, Giancarlo Esposito from Breaking Bad who plays Gustavo Fring. And I just thought that that might be a fantastic uh, character in the game because he's a very good actor. I like him. Yeah, Fuck yeah, you're in, you're in one today with those... Those names. Words. You're fucking doing right. well. I'm doing proud of, proud of, part of that. Proud of you, Junior. Proud of you. Again, <laughs> never played. Probably won't play. Yeah, don't. No shite. Far Cry 6. I think Far Cry 6, just to see fucking the boy that plays Gustavo Fring in that, that's, that'll be worth just playing it for that, to be fair. Nah. I think he's fantastic. Right. Move, moving on. Movie series of the weeks with myself this week. So I, I just watched this just the other night. It's a new movie on Amazon. It's an Amazon original. It's called Palm Springs with Andy Samberg. You know him from yeah. Brooklyn yeah. Nine-Nine. And Lonely Island. Lonely Island. Lonely Island and all this stuff. You know Hot Rod. Well. One of the yeah, greatest. Hot Rod. Oh, yeah. We'll maybe, we'll maybe give that another week. So that's fucking fantastic. And also Kristen Millilotti. Mil- 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 I don't know how to pronounce that, but she's in uh, How I Met Your Mother. She's the mother. How did you like, your mother? Spoiler alert. Uh, we spoiler, but oh. give a fuck. If you've not seen it. I was going to say, if you haven't seen fucking How I Met Your Mother, well, the ending of it. It's one of the worst ah. endings ever. But I honestly just didn't rate it. I rated it up until probably the last season where it just fucking got off. Right. Anyway, it's it's actually, it's a really cool film. It's kind of ground Groundhog Day-esque. You fucking laughing at my fucking fumbles, Junior. I get up here because you fucking had it for me. Right, didn't you? Yeah, so it's Groundhog Day esque, where like uh, Andy Samberg's characters at a wedding. I'm I won't go into it too much. I don't do what Keith done last I'm week. Trying to say the whole plot, the story for Godzilla versus Kong. Yeah. There's not much plot. So he's he's at this wedding. <laughs> it's Groundhog Day esque, so you kind of get the gist of it, but he doesn't really know why and all this stuff, but. Go and give it a wee watch. It's it's a good kind of fun film. It's pretty funny. There's not really, it's not too sad either. It's it's pretty good. It's it's a good one. It's a good wee watch. Just get a wee watch. Aren't they? Wee watch. Get a watch. Get oh. a watch. Watch. Watch it. Go and get a watch. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> Move on. <laughs> album of the week. We've got Loopy. What are you giving us? So I've gone with a self-titled album by the SLP called the SLP came out in 2019 and it's like a side project of Surge from Kasabian so it's like Kasabians I'm, I'm not a massive fan um we'll listen if they're on so they're it's like rock modern rock um this is kind of like not it's like electronic light electronic I think it's like a bit more techno yeah I wouldn't say it's technical it's like Take nice mellow kind of trance. Keith, you're drawing shite. Um, <laughs> sorry, Keith's just held a drawing up on the camera. And it's fuck awful. 
Looks like, <laughs> a, looks like the butt head I hit. <laughs> so, but no, so it's like a, it's um, from start to finish, pretty chill album. Um, I quite enjoy listening to it. You know, I'm standing cleaning the dishes or whatever, can mellow out a little. So yeah, I do the dishes. Yeah, I do, I do do the dishes. Well, the dishwasher does the dishes. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's good. It's a good album. Give it a, a listen. So it's the SLP. By the, by the SLP. Craig That's Lang, it. young team. <laughs> right. Last but not least, as usual. Cunt has drawn a dog. Keith, Keith, what's your restaurant of the week? Stop drawing. Come on. My restaurant. <laughs> I was just giving my rabbit a body. Uh, so, <laughs> so my restaurant of the week is uh, Max Pizzeria um, on Union Street. Um, serving up fresh there. Uh, so no, it's uh, I think they're really really good pizzas out there are, are like the classic kind of stone baked sort of sort of pizzas, Nepalese nice thin bases. Uh, Nepalese pizza, there we go. Um, yeah, no, I I I think they're great, nice fresh pizzas, just exactly kind of what you want. Uh, you it's not a, it's not like one of these ones where you go and sit down and it's too doughy. Like it's yeah. a good nice easy eat. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the restaurant's pretty cool. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah awesome. it's pretty cool. nice in there. Yeah. Local, because my restaurant, and it's they local. Kept, they kept with a uh, like whole yeah, idea of what it used to be, of, didn't it? Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Like, like brick and walls stuff. and stuff. Yeah. It hasn't been overdone yeah. and stuff. Still got, your, still got your school uniform there, never and rest in peace. And they've universe. got they've got a Vespa <laughs> dangling from the ceiling. I think that's pretty cool. I still don't trust that when you're walking because it's right above the stairs. I always get the fear with stuff like that. It's like, you know, when you go to TGI Fridays and there's like a rowing boat above your table (laughs) that's about 10 feet long. And it's been sitting there on the (laughs) same nail for the past 10 years. (laughs) I feel a rot. (laughs) I want to know know the person that's inspected that shit. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I know that's my restaurant of the week. If you've not been, definitely check it out when they open back up um, in a week or two's time. Uh, You won't be disappointed. Awesome. Right. I think that rounds us up. Aye. Yep. Aye. So we'll, we'll catch you all for episode 12 and we'll be sitting down with Grace City tattoo artist, Bridge Burner. We'll not, we'll not say his real name. No. You right, cannot we'll be named. <laughs> we'll love you and leave you. Catch, catch you later, guys. Bye. Bye.